Alright. And here we go. Another week has come and gone. The wild card round. A crazy, a crazy. And, well, let's just say wild card was predictable and unpredictable. What was predictable is for some reason, and it happens every year almost, or every other year in the wild card round, the road teams find a way to win more than the home team. And three of the four games, and it could have been all four, but one, but one saved their ass at the end. All the road teams won, and like I said, we in, in one night we could have seen the end of an era, the greatest era in the history of sports. And for another team, another chance at uh, another team, another Super Bowl chance comes and goes again. Another season where they have a chance comes and goes. And then there's the Eagles. And I'm sure everybody's aware of what happened in the game. Because I'll sit here and say this. We got robbed. We got robbed of what we thought what we were going to see when Wentz went down with the concussion early in the game. Even though the Eagles team, they came together and they played their ass off on both sides of the ball. And I'll give Josh McCown a lot of credit for doing, doing the yeoman's work and trying to and trying to keep this team alive and try to have a chance. And he even had an outside chance to still still be, they, they had a chance to win. But unfortunately, once Wentz went down, that was pretty much the end of the road. The season was done. Knowing all the injuries, knowing all the, everything else, that's it. The, the game is over. Yeah, obviously... Um... <laughs> You know, Josh McCown wasn't going to lead him to victory, but but the Eagles did play tough. The defense kept them in the game. Um, you know, McCown moved the ball fairly well between the twenties, but you know he was he's forty a forty year old journeyman, and um, they just they they weren't gonna they weren't able to put it in the end zone, and that's basically what cost them. You know. If uh, I think if Wentz was there, the Eagles would have won that game. But hey, it is what it is. It's part of the game, man. Players get hurt. Shit happens, and uh, concussions are a part of the game. That's how it goes. You gotta you gotta somehow figure out a way to rise above it when your quarterback goes down. Unfortunately, the Eagles couldn't do it. They were they were they were just. They just didn't have the talent to beat the Seahawks without Wentz. And that's what happens when you lose half your team to injuries, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't, I mean, it is a disappointment how the season ended and how the season really was, but it's not, it's not like this team underachieved. You can't say that this team underachieved because they had too many injuries. In fact, of the 11 offensive starters, only two played the entire season finish every game of the 17 games that were played. Only two. So that just tells you how tough it was. How tough this season was for this for this organization and obviously what's been going on. But like I said, even though yeah, yeah, like I said it's tough when you have a backup quarterback that, it, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience in, in, in doing what he has to do in the offense to you know, even though he's a veteran, he's never played in the postseason game. This was his one and only shot at glory in the postseason. And, you know, he did a great, he did as good a job as he could. He didn't turn the football over. He moved the ball up and down the field. But, unfortunately, 
what has been our success was our was not was our failure, and we couldn't just we couldn't get a touchdown. We had to sell for field goals, and even though Seattle wasn't that much better when you think of it, unfortunately, you're not going to win with field goals. It's very rare. You have to score. You have to score touchdowns, and one touchdown could have made a difference. Two touchdowns would have won the game, but unfortunately, when I think about the one incident with Javion Clowney. I was very, very offended because not only was he concussed very badly, they didn't throw the flag, and there's rumors that he might not even be fined or suspended for it. He may not even be fined for it. I don't think he's going to be suspended, but I don't think he's going to be fined for it. And I just feel like, you know, if you're Javion, Qu- Javion Clowney, if you are a member of the Seahawks next season, or if you are on a team that the Eagles will see in the 2020 season, I would better, I better watch my back because paybacks, remember, like they say, paybacks are a bitch. That's all I can tell you. You know, I'm just saying, because if I was a, if I was old lineman or someone like that, I'm coming, I might come in, I might have a, a payback shot for you. And you know that, you know that, you know how this league can be, you know? I take that personally. I take that personally because we got robbed. We got robbed. Once plays that game, we would have won. We would have won. And and I agree with you. We would have won. There was no doubt in my mind. Wentz was playing. He was back to himself. And the way he finished the season, he's been waiting four years for this moment. And it was taken from him in five minutes, in the first five minutes of that game. Yeah, I know, but hey, whatever, man. Um, nothing you can do about it now. The season's over. Um, just got to look forward to the off season and hope that the Eagles make some good moves. Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate reality. And this and this and this morning, Howie Roseman had his Howie Roseman had his his end of the season discussion, and obviously what. You know, he was obviously he said the the normal things. We're disappointed. We wanted our season to at least. You know, we should be ready for the next game and everything else. Of course, that's normal GM talk. But obviously, for Howie now, the pressure's on him because now he has to redo this roster, and he's got to he's got to make sure he has a great draft, something he has hardly have ever had in his in his ten years at the helm of of the front office. You know? Yeah, well, um, the big the big thing is they got to hit on their skill positions. You know, um, when you look at their at, at their draft, they really people want to say that they're bet how he can't draft. You know, but they 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 do make some decent picks on, on, along the lines. Um, at, at wide, or not at wide receiver, at running back, they've made the, well, a decent pick. Up until that point, they made a lot of bad ones. But, uh, obviously, quarterback at Carson Wentz. But he's, he's good at drafting the linemen, but when you get out to the skill position players, that's where that's where they failed, you know. Wide receiver especially, they, 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 that's been a bust. Um Obviously, you look at just just this last year, Whiteside. He's a uh, he, you know you you not every rookie receiver is gonna come in and tear up, but he was he was he's been completely outplayed by 
a lot of receivers that were drafted after him, including DK Metcalf. Yes, yeah, so we saw how he played on Sunday, boy. Like I said, uh, we kind of wondered what we would have. Game, you had to have been thinking what that what could have been if the Eagles would have actually drafted him instead of Whiteside. You know. Yeah, that's a sad thing, you know, because the problem with with um with Howie Roseman over the years is that. And this happens to a lot of teams. The guy you draft maybe might work out, but the guy that that went before you or maybe after, more importantly after you could probably be even better. And that's been the problem that Roseman's had over the years with controlling the draft. Now, the problem he has this year is that he's had Joe Douglas in his ear the last couple of years, and now he's gone. He's now with the Jets. So I don't know who's going to be his wingman for these next three months as we get towards free agency and more importantly the draft in April and how he's going to handle how he's get, he's going to handle his business because really when I think about drafts and, and we and I know it's we're, we're way too early to talk about the NFL draft you have average team gets at least seven new players four of them have to make it at least at least be on the roster and be a future starters Unfortunately, when you think about Howie Roseman, the average is less than three, at least two. And some of them don't even work out. So he knows that I feel like the Eagles are going to be much better next year. I don't think they're going to have the injury-prone the injury years. I mean, that's part of the business, but, but it doesn't have to be like that next year. I think everybody's going to be more healthier, but... Obviously, his goal is he has to draft younger. Obviously, I would say wide receiver number will go first round, corner second, and just be smart. You know, get the best one on the board and make sure that guy is right. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But we'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the draft that much now because it's still we still got a lot of other things to talk about. So we can't really look into the future right now. Yeah, in a few weeks we'll be able to take a, a look at the Eagles' upcoming offseason and talk a little bit about the draft and free agency. And, um, yeah, we'll go over all that. But, the, the good, the, but you know, when, when you talk about the draft, though, any, every team is going to have some players that they draft in the first three in the first three rounds that turn out to be busts. And, and it's just going to work out where... If you you draft the bust and say the second round, there's going to be players that are drafted at that position after that player that are going to turn out to be good. So, you know, to sit there and say, oh, man, this uh, this guy was drafted in the fourth round and he's better than the guy who drafted in the second round, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. But when, you're, when you have a guy like D.K. Uh, Metcalf who... Going into the draft, a lot of people thought of him as a top 20 pick. He drops all the way to the end of the second round. And you draft a guy like a Seagull Whiteside who clearly doesn't have the same talent. You know, it's just uh, it just it's just it's a bad pick. And, um, you know, I wasn't too excited about that pick when we made it, and I'm still not. But, um, but yeah, it is what it is. I think the biggest problem, though, over the, the years, Ever, really, ever since Chip Kelly came on this team, is um, the Eagles seem to value these, like I, I was saying earlier in the year, the Eagles seem to value these big, slow, athletic receivers that 
are sort of like jump ball receivers like Alshon and like uh, to a lesser extent guys like Jordan Matthews and Matt Collins and uh, um, Whiteside. You know, these guys can't get any separation. They're just they're just big physical receivers that hopefully can go up and get the ball if you if they're one on one deep. Um, but they can't get any separation, and like I was, like we were saying earlier in the year, you know, Wentz isn't, Wentz isn't Nick, Nick Foles. You know, Nick Foles is the guy that'll throw it up to these guys to go get, and he gets his style. But Wentz needs, uh, Wentz needs guys with speed. You know, he needs like younger versions of Deshaun. You know, what he really should have is a wide receiver core like the Chiefs, where all these guys are four, sub four four forty guys. Um, they're a bit smaller, but these guys get open, and you throw it up, you throw it deep to a guy that's wide open. Um, he's gonna go, you know. You can you can get make plays, and uh, and yeah, that, that's the, that's what they need to do. They need to really overhaul this receiving staff and get some guys that fit the, the style of play that your quarterback likes to play. Yeah, basically. They have to find speedsters, guys that could break a f- more less than a four or five, and obviously the tall, the tall, you know, like I said, they go off to what Harold Carmichael was back in the seventies, and yeah, and he was a he was a freak. He wasn't an average wide receiver. He was one of the one of the more unique receivers in the history of this league, and he had a lot of success here in Philadelphia. He still revered. And not just here, but around the league to this day. He's underrated. He's severely underrated. And should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hopefully he gets in one of these days. But, unfortunately, like you said, you have to go, you have to get a, a, a fast guy. You know, like I said, the Tyreek Hills obviously changed the dynamic on your offense. If you have a Tyreek Hill like. I mean, Deshaun Jackson was like that in his era. But Deshaun Jackson's getting older. I mean, he'll be back healthy in September, but he's he doesn't have many more years left. And and it's obvious that you know I'm sure the NF I'm sure the Eagles are are valuing that wide receiver position. You know I think that they're going to listen to the fans. Unlike back in the day when Andy Reid was very stubborn with the fan base here, depending on what he wanted to draft and what he wanted because he controlled the draft. You know he and uh. What's his name that used to be here? I forgot his name. Damn it. Joe Banner. He and Joe Banner were in control of the draft. But, you know, you you obviously, I think Howie Roseman wants to at least, you know, Howie Roseman obviously wants to be at least get, you know, get things right. You know, get things right. To get these guys ready to go, you know, to get these guys ready to go. So, like I said, it'll be interesting to see this off season. But enough with the Eagles and the draft situation because we got several weeks to go down with that. Let's look at the other matchups that happened on on this past weekend. Like I said, the Eagles were one of three home teams to lose in this wild card in this opening round. Obviously, the big the big stories wasn't was not just you know that the fact that the could we have seen the end of an era and maybe the greatest era in the history of the NFL and maybe sports in general, Brady and Belichick. Now Brady's come out here and said this week that he is not finished. He's going to be back. He's going to be playing. 
but obviously he did give a he did give a reason, a rhyme or reason or a percentage of if he's gonna be back in New England or not. Now obviously you have said on here and you believe that he will be back. But obviously we don't know that. We don't know what's gonna happen because this is a crossroads for the Brady Belichick era. This is a, a crossroads. Do they want to continue and think that their Super Bowl window is still around? Or is it time to go in a different direction? You know, is it time to go in a different direction where Belichick's going to find his next Brady and Brady's going to go somewhere where he not want to be needed, but at least provide the spark for that team for at least two more years? I mean, it's been it's been apparent with this team over the course of the entire second half of the year, and obviously this week, this last weekend too, that they just don't have they just don't have the talent surrounding Brady on offense to can be to be legit contenders this year, um, and they should, they showed it again this this um, last Saturday. They, they just they just have nothing. Um, Gronk is gone. That running game is mediocre, really at best. Um, Edelman is a, still a solid receiver, but you know he's he's getting older and he's not he's not a number one. And outside of him, they really have nothing. So it's 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 not at the end of the Brady Belichick duo. Brady will be back, but. The Patriots are gonna. They know what they need. They know what they need on offense, and they're gonna go out and they're gonna get some players to surround Brady. And um, you know, he's he, he, again. He might only have two, one, two more years left. So they're gonna go all out, and they're gonna they're gonna do whatever they need to do to try to win a Super Bowl. Um, and they have cap space. Hell, they may even go out and sign a, a big name guy like Amari Cooper. You know, um, this is this draft class coming up. It's one of the best and deepest draft classes for wide receivers in a long time. Um, they're going to get players in here, and they're, they'll convince. They'll talk to Brady. They'll convince him that they're going to that they're committed to getting him the best possible players, and um, he'll be back. And the Patriots will be will be back next year. Well. I'll tell you right now, it's not money. Brady has been one thing I could tell tell about Tom Brady. I can respect. He is an unselfish guy. He has been a dream player since the day he was drafted in New England twenty years ago. And obviously, they it's it that kind of leadership. A lot of great quarterbacks: Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Brett Favre. Peyton Manning, those are all-time greats. Still, Brady has more Super Bowls than them combined. Because he always was a team player. He always took it for the team. He always made sure he spent $10 million million on his contract less so you can sign that guy, that Randy Moss. You sign that Wes Welker. You, You sign that, you know, you sign that, you know, all kinds of, you know, even on defense. Brady's always been a, de- a demanding guy for success. He's always been a team player, but he's always demanded success. But I felt like in the offseason last year and going into this year, scratch away Antonio Brown's situation, because that 
that's very irrelevant to what they were. I just didn't think this Patriots team, and you obviously agree, but it took you longer, that this Patriots team was not the same team. They just didn't have the same makeup to make a run like they've been the last several years. And by the time that second half, and I and I told you on this program, on, a couple, on Wednesdays back in the fall, back in October, once they play a team like Houston or Baltimore or Kansas City, you know, they're going to have problems. They're going to have problems stopping that, stopping that, and and as good as Belichick is, defensive guy, one of the all-time greats, even he's going to get fooled because his defense looks slow and out of touch when it comes to higher, high, high, higher pace, volume level offenses like a Baltimore that runs down your throat, a guy like Watson that can make plays, and, and Mahomes who obviously can make a lot of plays, you know. So, yeah. Convincing Brady to stay is going to be more than just saying sign a new deal. He's going to have he's going to ask he's going to ask Belichick and I'm sure Robert Kraft will agree with it. The owner, we need to get some guys in here, like you said, Amari Cooper. You know, get get a, a top tight end in here. If there's a top tight end in you know in this draft or at least in free agency that could be out there, you know, because if they can't do that, if they can't do that. Because Brady's not going to sign first. They're going to have to spend money first. And if they can't do that, then Brady's going to take his ball and go elsewhere. As much as, as much as you may not think that might happen, as much as Belichick may not think that might happen, that's going to put the Patriots in a very bad situation going into the draft. Because this, because if you look at the AFC East, and don't be, and don't, and and we'll look at it a little, a little later on, but. Let's think about the AFC East a little bit. Buffalo Bills are on the doorstep to being really good. They're on the doorstep. If they make a few tweaks, they're a Super Bowl contender next year. The Miami Dolphins, yeah, they were they were terrible this year, but they have a great. But Brian Flores is the right coach, and you saw how they played down the stretch. They played like they were. They played like they were a borderline, well, not a borderline playoff team, but they played much tougher down the stretch. They played with heart. And and they have a lot of cap space. They have draft picks. They're going to be better. They're going to be much better next year. And don't even sleep on the New York Jets either. Sam Darnold, as much as you may not like him, he's a franchise quarterback that, that the Jets have not had since probably... Since probably when Boomer Esiason was there, or or Chad Pennington when he was healthy, when he was healthy, when since Chad Pennington when he was healthy, the AFC East for the first time going into 2020, even if Brady's back, is not a lock anymore. It's not a lock. It wasn't a lock this year. So yeah, Patriot. Like I said, dynasties, dynasties are great, but if you don't keep up with the Joneses, it'll stale off quick, and then you. You'll find yourself in third or fourth place in your division with a seven and nine record, and that's what the Brady and Belichick and that's what Belichick and that New England front office might be facing in 2020 if they don't get it right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think Brady will be back, and I think the Patriots will make a bunch of moves, and. Um, and at the very least, they'll be up right back up at the top of the conference with all the, with the best teams. And um, 
if they'll at least be contenders. They could even wind up being the best team in the conference again. Yeah, but that's easier said than done than in the past. I mean, hell, they made the Super Bowl last year, and they were the weak, and that was the weakest of the six of their six rings. That was the weakest of their six ring team. So you knew that the so you knew that what they were doing up there wasn't working anymore, or it's looking like it's not going to work. So they got a lot of work to do. Now, if you think that Brady's, if you still think the window is still partially open in New England, then I don't know what the hell's going on in New Orleans because. Apparently, Drew Brees and the Saints, not only did they take Minnesota way too lightly, you know the drill. You take a team too lightly that you're better than, that you can play better than, and you don't, they'll beat you. And that's exactly what those damn Vikings did to them on on Sunday. And a team that was disrespected going into the postseason, here's the thing. In the NFC, nobody's won more games since the start of the 2017 season than the Saints. And not one Super Bowl appearance to show for it. So my question to you is, is the window about to close on the Saints for their chances to win another Lombardi Trophy in the the Peyton Breeze era? No, it's not. Um, Obviously, Breeze is... Is at the end, is getting at the end of the line too, but he can still play. Um, the rest of that team is pretty young for the most part when you look at a lot of their key players. Um, so they're still going to end up being one of the best teams in the conference. I don't know. I mean, I thought that they were going to win that game, and um, to lose to Kirk Cousins in the playoffs is pretty embarrassing. But at home too. At home too. Yeah, exactly. But they'll be back. They'll be back next year. They're gonna. They'll, they'll be a tough team again. Um, and from there, who knows? Um, Breeze, I'm sure, will be back for another couple of years. Uh, obviously, he's going to be a free agent as well. But um, I'm sure he's going to resign with the team. And if they can find a, a re- replacement at quarterback for when he is gone. Who knows? Maybe Teddy Bridgewater, who came in and played well those for those six or so weeks when when Breeze was injured. But um, yeah, if they can find a replacement for Breeze that's good and can play at a high level, then they're going to be good for years as long as they have Sean Payton. Well, Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent going into you know going into March, and obviously did such an exceptional job in the five games Breeze didn't play. At least keeping this team afloat, and not only keeping the team afloat, the team played over overachieved with him out there. But it just seemed like watching that game on Sunday, I just, like the intensity just wasn't there. Like, I feel like they were disrespected for not getting a bye. They were similar to New England. They they need, they deserved the bye, and they didn't get it. And they didn't get it. And obviously, you know, that kind of, Affects that kind of affects you a little mentally. We know this this football can be mentally as tough mentally as it is physically, but it feel like going in there they play they played a game that they felt like they shouldn't really played in, but they weren't they didn't have a sense of urgency either until the very end of the game, and obviously, if you're playing a team like Minnesota that's nothing to lose and they're not expecting to win and they end up winning like they did, then obviously there's not much you can really say or do. 
Now another problem is Drew Brees is going to be 41 years old this year. This come later this year. So it's not, I mean, I'm not saying his physical skill set is, is declining like Brady's because we can tell Brady's is starting to decline. But how many more years do you does Brees need to be disrespected from not winning an MVP, putting up the numbers he puts up every year, and the fact that this team cannot win? This is the third straight postseason that they that they end that they ended their season on the last play of the game, and it's starting to dawn on them that if they were upset about what happened last year in the NFC Championship game, then what the hell do those Saints fans feel like today? knowing that their season's over long before that, that it shouldn't be. So, to me, this is this, this is going to be another offseason that you kind of look into the window of your future. I mean, yeah, unlike New England, they got a lot of offensive weapons. Jared Cook has been a great tight end, but he's a free agent to be. But obviously, Michael Thomas had a great year. He was probably the best volume receiver in the league with, with 149 catches in the regular season. And and a great running game, but Kamara, Kamara was out this year. I mean, he wasn't the same Kamara we were used to seeing the first his first two seasons. You know, he was he was kind of a little off this year. So, like I said, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the Saints. I don't look at the NFC South as a really a big upgrade, but we'll get to we'll get to some things here in a moment. But still, for the Saints. They they need to come out here next year and if they and and play like gangbusters if they really want to be legit Super Bowl contenders still next year because I think the NFC as crazy as it is is going to rotate again because you know it happens every year. Yeah. Now, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. There's um there's the NFC South isn't a great division right at the moment. But there are some teams there that can um, that can make a run next year. You know, the Falcons came on tough at the end of the year. They were expected to be a lot better than they were, but maybe they can do something. Um, the Bucks came on at the end of the year, and um, you know if they can actually get that defense going and somehow figure out a way to get Winston and not turn the ball over so much. They can they could be they could compete with the Saints. So yeah, there, there's a couple teams there that could that could uh, make a run at that division next year. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, the NFC South, like I said, we can't just look at the end of this season and say, well, this team this division's going to stink next year. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, this league we can you you just get two or three different guys in here that that are motivated. Guys get healthy, and they're going to be three or four, three to five wins better than they were a year ago next year. So yeah, the Saints they they're going to have to earn their division next year. As much as they were good this year, they they took advantage of a weak division, and but that division's probably but the NFC South two years ago took three teams to the postseason. They're capable of doing that. So we'll see what happens. But obviously, obviously Houston was able to survive. Buffalo's, you know, Buffalo's best on Saturday, and they were the only home team to, 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 to advance to the divisional. And now we're, you know, we'll before we get to off-season storylines with the head coaches, let's look at these four 
matchups here, and just like last week, only one of them, Kansas City and Houston, is the only rematch of the regular season. You got San Francisco hosting Minnesota, Seattle going up to Green Bay, and an underrated postseason rivalry that that goes overlooked, and you and you know very well Tennessee going to Baltimore. And if you think about back in the days of the Steve McNairs and the Eddie Georges and the Ray Lewises, Ed Reeds and you know Jamal Lewises, they had some postseason wars, and now that rivalry is back in the postseason for the I think the fourth time they meet in the postseason. These two. Even though the names are, have changed and the faces are different, it it brings you know it brings a lot of momentum here. Tennessee, you know, and 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 Mike Rabel, you know, these were probably the two highest teams in the conference down the stretch. Obviously, Baltimore hasn't didn't lose a game, didn't lose a game since since the end of September, and Tennessee has been really tough to deal with in the last second half of the season, you know, so. That should be a fun matchup on Saturday night. Yeah, um, yeah. Tennessee came into the playoffs um, pretty hot, and um, and they kept it going, obviously against the Patriots. But the Ravens are a, a much different team. I mean, we'll do, we'll do the previews over the, on Saturday, but I, I don't see uh, I don't see Tennessee coming out of this game with a, a winner. Um, it's going to be a tough one for them, I think. Even though Derrick Henry is running his ass off, he might be the best runner in the league, the problem is he's the only one that's running the ball in Tennessee. And you're going against nothing but a bunch of runners in Baltimore, and that rushing attack is so dangerous, and Lamar Jackson just, you know, like I said, it's been a struggle for top defenses to stop Lamar Jackson and, you know, to to me, if they if they're within ten points, then it's it's probably a good game in theory. But like I said, Tennessee has has played very good football down the stretch. But like I said, they haven't faced Baltimore this year, and that's going to be very tough. And then, like I said, we'll look at the other the other matchups here on on Saturday. I'm not, I'm not going to even think about those right now. I mean, you know, Houston, Kansas City, that should be an interesting matchup. But let's go to the head coaching situation. We always do. Obviously, last week, Washington hired Ron Rivera just as the regular season came to a close. There were four head coaching openings, and three of them were filled within the last 48 hours. So we'll start. We'll start. We'll, we'll get to the one last interesting one, but because that one, that one, I, I paid pipe. Pay Peter to Rob Paul, but let's look at the first one here. The Carolina Panthers, a guy you kind of know because he came from your alma mater, and he's the second Temple coach to get a head coaching job in the NFL behind after Bruce Arians. Matt Rule from Baylor to Carolina. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's a joke, man. Um, the Panthers are. You know they they got they got Chris McCaffrey, but they're they're not going anywhere with Matt with Matt Rule as their head coach. They're just not. And um, and yeah, I don't care if they have Cam back. I don't care if they them go and bring in another quarterback. They're just not going anywhere. 
this guy's not gonna like this guy's not gonna become a great NFL head coach. He wasn't even a great college head coach. So you know, it's just not gonna happen. Well, as much as we agree to disagree, I might disagree with you. I mean, I I know for Matt for knowing Matt Rule, watching him watching him coach. I mean, he's he, he's a slow learner, but I think he can I think he can make it, as long as he's not a selfish guy, not a me guy and a selfish guy, because I feel like for all his for all the experience he's had. He knows that he's a. You have to be. We talked about this last week. You have to be an attention to detail kind of coach, and I feel like he has that potential. The problem is Carolina is a team that's going that's going to overhaul a lot of talent in the next couple of months, and Cam Newton is a big, big part of that overhaul. It's time. It's obviously it's time for Cam Newton to move on, and all you have is Christian McCaffrey. But but we saw this year. Christian McCaffrey, as talented as he is, and he's very talented, he's not a guy that's going to elevate your team and get you to where you need to go. He needs a quarterback that's going to provide that 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 leeway to the next level, and that's something that they got to work on. they got to find a quarterback, because I don't think there's a quarterback on this roster, Will Greer and Kyle Allen. We saw how, how they played, and they got more and more more you know, left left out late in the season. So, to me, there's a lot of work to be done offensively. He's an offensive guy, so we'll see what happens. But I have my confidence because he's a Temple guy. He went to your school, so damn it, you should you should have more respect for him. Damn it. Uh, I mean, he might have he might have coached at Temple, but that doesn't make him qualified to coach in the NFL, man. Um, I, I I'll, I'll I'll put it like this: he'll be out of the NFL within three years, and he'll be back in college. I'll sit here and, and say I'll sit here and I'll, I'll I'll bet on you. I think he makes the playoffs one of these years, and one of the, and within the next three years, he'll he'll have Carolina in the playoffs. I highly doubt it unless he gets like the next Peyton Manning. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna go well for him. All right. Well, 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 well. Good luck with him, and I'm sure you'll give your wishes too. But to New York, obviously his name was well represented with the Giants. He actually worked with the Giants before he went and took a college job as a head coach. He was with the New York Giants as a as a coach there on the offense. But since he didn't but since he didn't, they decided to go with New England. With New England's Joe Judge. Joe Judge is now the fourth different Giants coach since twenty fifteen. Or at least with comp he's the third head coach since Tom Coughlin left. And that was on and Tom Coughlin left not even five years ago. So what do you think of Joe Judge? Well, the, the Giants' front office and the Giants' ownership group—it's—it's it's probably one of the worst in the NFL as it stands right now. So I really didn't have much faith that they'd actually go out and sign a, a quality head coach. And I was pretty much right. They, this is another one that, if I was a Giants fan, I'd be extremely disappointed right now. But. Um, We'll see. We'll see how it turns out, but I think it's gonna it's gonna be another bad move, and I think the Giants are gonna be at the bottom of the NFC East for years. Well, 
I did say when they drafted Daniel Jones that Giants might suck for another five years. Now, I feel like unlike the, the, the Carolina situation, they have a balance with, they have their quarterback in Daniel Jones, and they have their, and obviously when Saquon Barkley is at his best, he's as he's great, he might be the most best all-purpose back in the league. He's the most dynamic back in football, as you could, you could agree to that. But one of the Giants' problems they've had over the last, at least over the last five or six seasons, has been their O-line. Their O-line is not, is garbage. They drafted, they drafted one guy that didn't work out, and he's on another team and might be out of football. And their defense is also, they've drafted well defensively, but you, you hear the names like Eli Apple and and. Jewel and Peppers, Janoris Jenkins, and Snacks Harrison. They had defensive guys that they couldn't keep because everybody else is struggling and, and having tr difficulties. Now, Joe Judge worked with wide receivers, and a lot of people were not very happy. You know, Stephen A, obviously, was one of them, was not happy with this hire because the wide receiver position in New England failed this year, and it's failed for many years. So, why would he get a head coaching job? But then again, this is a Belichick guy, another Belichick guy. How many of them have worked out? Some may work out, but others mostly are not. And Joe Judge is another Belichick guy. So what is he? Go so why is they keep going to a tree where Belichick doesn't give them the stuff to succeed? That's why a guy like Mike Vrabel has at is going to have success. Because he went to another head coach, he went to another team and got more ex coaching experience. Where instead of just bugging Belichick and using his and using his playbook, he decided to get more experience, and that's why Vrabel's going to make it compared to most of these other Belichickian guys. So all I look at Joe Judge is another Belichickian guy who's either he's going to sink or he's going to swim. But if you believe he's going to sink, then I can believe it too because. If they don't fix if they don't fix the O line and get more defensive players, if they don't have a great draft coming up, then yeah, the Giants are still gonna be one of the worst teams in the league for the next several years. I can agree with you. Now, the last one, and you know, I, I you know, we've been doing this for now two years almost. We'll have two full seasons of this podcast when it's over after Super Bowl in February. I try to remember I said I made one bold prediction that maybe is out there. I might have said it on air. If I didn't, I'm sorry. But I did. But I did. Didn't I tell you? Maybe you you might remember. Or you don't remember. Didn't I say maybe Mike McCarthy will be the next Dallas head Dallas Cowboys head coach? Did I say that? Uh, you might have. I don't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, you might have said something. And guess what? You know what's scary about me? I'm more scarier when I'm right than when I'm wrong. I'd rather be wrong than right. How the hell did I get that right? How the hell did I get that right? Mike McCarthy got the Dallas Cowboys head coaching job? Unbelievable. Now, you know what's funny about that before you, get to, before you make your opinions on this? You know it's kind of meant to be in a way. Because one... Mike McCarthy won the Super Bowl at Jerry World with Green Bay. He won the Super Bowl at Jerry World. Twice, he's taken the Cowboys out of the postseason when they had a legit chance to win. Twice. 
and he's won a lot of a lot of close games in that building. So why not join a team you have you made your bitch over the last ten years? You know? So go ahead, what do you think of, of the Mike McCarthy signing? I wanna hear this. Well, I mean it's I I, I you know, I, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm not scared of Mike McCarthy, okay? As an Eagles fan. This this isn't a move that would make me think that the Cowboys are gonna take the next step forward and actually make a Super Bowl run. Um, early in his career as the, as the Packers coach, you, know, you said like you said, you want a Super Bowl, but you know, that that Packers offense hasn't been impressive for years and now all of a sudden um LaFleur comes in, he's done a way better job than uh than McCarthy did over the last few years. And um you know, there's a reason that Aaron Rodgers and and really Aaron Rodgers wanted him out and there's a reason why he got forced out in Green Bay. He's just he's just not he's not a good head coach. He's not a great head coach. He might be mediocre, you know. But this is a team that has a quarterback that, let's face it, he's, he's nothing special. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, they, they really are a team that should be a run-first team, and now you're, you're going to bring in a coach that's going to throw the ball 60% of the time. Um, it's probably not a great fit, but, hey, that's fine. I don't think, I don't think it's, it's uh, going to – make the Cowboys into anything better than what they already are, which is basically an 8-8 eight eight team every year that once in a while has a very good year and wins, you know, 11. But, um, again, there's there's still going to be a 500 or so team, and uh, the only real coaching hire that's even been decent, when you look at the, the NFC East between the Giants, Cowboys and Redskins. The Redskins probably have the best coaching hire with Ron Rivera, and um, and they also have the worst team probably. They definitely. I mean, really, uh, Dwayne Haskins is probably like the worst quarterback in the division right now. So, um, yeah, and I I think that the, the that the NFC East is is the Eagles for the taking for the next at least three years. Well, well, thinking about what the NFC East has become, obviously it was not a good division this year, and three of the coaches got changed, and that normally never happens. I don't think it ever happens once every 15 years. I mean, Ron Rivera is the best hire because he's the most freshest. He's got the most experience, and he's he's attention-to-detail kind of guy. He runs the defense, and obviously... Dan Snyder's a goofball. He'll listen to anybody. He'll hire anybody. He'll hire you and I to be the head coach next year. I mean, that's just the way he is. He's a Johnny Come Lately kind of guy. And and that and Ron Rafferro and he must have I mean hell. At his as in introduction, Dan Snyder says happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So that tells you how what kind of moron he is. And but Ron Rivera he was, he was probably promised the fact that when they got rid of Bruce Allen, he was going to get more control of, of the, he was getting more control of the, you know, of 
the front office. And that's exactly what I think happened. That's why he agreed to the job, because he was going to have more control than the other head coaches have had. Because Bruce Allen is up there sticking it up, doing making dumb, dumb move after dumb move with Snyder's money and doing nothing for it. So... Obviously, obviously, Rivera is going to bring a little more of a discipline to that organization that hasn't been there at least since Gibbs' second run there. Because Joe Gibbs is a legend there. He's legend. He's an iconic coach. And somehow, he if he listens to Dan Snyder, then anybody can listen to Dan Snyder. Even Bill Belichick can listen to Dan Snyder if he was, if he was looking for a job. So, But when I think about Dallas... It's a similar situation because Jerry Jones has gone night and day with head coaches over the years. He's had Hall of Fame coaches like Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells. He's had simpleton coaches like Chan Gailey and I don't even know who the other guy was before Bill Parcells. He's had he's had all kinds of kinds of coaches. Obviously, Jason Garrett was a puppet and a clapper and all that, but it just seems like, you know... Jerry and Steven do not think alike. Steven makes the smart decisions that Jerry has to sign up on. John, you know, Jerry has his, 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 his wet dreams of the guys he wants, but Steven makes sure we're gonna, we, we gotta keep up with the Eagles. We gotta win this division. We gotta contend. We gotta make, you know, everybody contend. When Dallas is underrated, which is rarity, they su- surprise and be good. But they're mostly overrated, so that's why they are what they are. Now, if Mike McCarthy succeeds, then obviously he did his job. Because the goal is the Super Bowl or bust. You have the roster, you have the quarterback, you have the running back, you have a decent D-line, you have a good O-line. So, it's not like Mike McCarthy has to rebuild his team, unlike Rivera and uh, Joe, Joe Judge. They have to repair. They have to repair those teams. Those those that's going to take some time, you know. But for yeah. for but for Mike McCarthy, he can come in here and if he has if he's his 2010 to 2014 self, then that's going to be a problem for the Eagles and maybe the NFC in general. But then again, look at look at um you got to look at uh Dak Prescott. He has he has had. You know he's had success in this league. He has a winning record. He's never had a losing record yet. Zeke Elliott's an elite runner. He's led the league in rushing since he's came into this league. Dak Prescott has the second most wins. I mean, the third most wins in the league as a starter since he came in this league. So it's not like these guys are are jokes and go- and 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 terrible. I mean, I'll even sit here and say from a distance, Dak had a better year than Carson Wentz. And you can agree with me on that. As much as you may not like to agree, you can you can look at the numbers and say that Dak had a better year and had and had thought and had thoughts of being in the MVP race for a while. So if Mike McCarthy had and they said that for the last year, being the year off, he's been fresh he's been fresh and looking at the at the film. He's been kind of simulating his idea and his master plan to come back and be that coach. Whether it works or not, we'll see. The jury's out. But if he's the 2010-2014 version of Mike McCarthy, then that might have been the best hire. But if he's it's the Mike McCarthy of the last, the last four or five years, since 2016, 17 or whatever, 
then obviously the Eagles, this is their division to lose for at least the next four or five years. But we'll see. Well, um, when it comes to Dak, I mean, the guy, if you look at him statistically, his stats look good, but, you know, He's just not a he's 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 not a special quarterback in in reality. He can put up big numbers against garbage because he's surrounded by a lot of good players, and he has one of the best offensive lines in the league. But when when it comes down when it comes down to playing against real teams, real playoff teams, he's not he's nothing special, man. He's just an average NFL quarterback. He's more of a game manager than anything, um, and uh, and Zeke. He's 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 obviously one of the top running backs in the league, but you know how long is that going to last? Really, the guy we know we know um, we know that running backs typically have short shelf lives in the NFL, um, and really he hasn't been injured much, which to me that tells me that he's probably due with all the, with the, this, the workload that he gets every year. He's probably due for a fairly big injury sometime in the near future. But um, yeah, once that once he goes down, once he goes down, it'll happen one, at, at some point. You know, it will happen with everybody. Um, once he gets injured, Dak every, he'll prove once again that he's nothing. He's he's nothing more than an average quarterback. He's not a he's not a franchise quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to carry your team. And. Um, when the Cowboys give him that big contract, that's that's it for them, you know. Yeah. Well, that's all I can say about that. You know, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, we will see as this off season goes long here at the NFC East and how how they can work and adjust and get better. You know, all of them have new coaches. All of them going to have their head, their work cut out for them. Obviously, Washington has the toughest because. They have a lot. They have a lot of positions they have to re readjust to. So we'll see what happens. But all to end this, we'll it will be funny to see what the Browns will do. <laughs> what will the Browns do at the head coach position? Rather, I know you do, can care less about what the Browns do, but it's going to be funny to think who do they hire now because they can get a they go to college, they can get a veteran, they can get some idiot. You know, or they could just hire, you know, the janitor to be the head coach, you know? Because I'll, I'll say this before we go off air. Freddie Kitchens being the head coach last year is similar to what Andy Reid did to his O-line coach, what's his name, and became the defensive coordinator. What's his name? You know? I forgot his name. It's a similar deal. Because, to me, Jimmy Haslam is the worst owner in the AFC. He's the worst owner in the AFC. It's obvious. Because he's done nothing but be inconsistent than consistent with general with with general managers and head coaches. And to me, whoever this next head coach of the Browns is, huh, you better impress. You better be different than the guys that were there before. Because they're all a bunch of losers, and they didn't win shit. And if you can't win shit, then you're just, he's just nothing but a loser and a, and a nobody, and they'll have to fire some other loser and something. I, all I can tell you about the Cleveland Browns job, 
next victim. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's a job that, as Eagles fans, we got to keep an eye on because Schwartz is interviewing for that job, too. So, you know. I don't think Jim Schwartz would be the right hire. As much I as I respect him. You never know with the Browns, you know. They could hire. He might be the perfect fit for that owner. Well, we'll see what happens. But that's how I'll end this podcast with is we'll see what happens. Hopefully by next week they'll find somebody, some, 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 somebody. We'll see. <laughs>